Welcome to the Don't Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Experiences. My name is Anand, and I'm going to go on a journey with you through Laos. I was also very fascinated by this country. I had heard quite a bit about it, but I had not met too many folks who had travelled there. Though I'd read a lot of material on the internet, there wasn't enough to plan a travel. This was a country that had been closed to outsiders till a couple of decades back. and it's just opened a few years back what was more intriguing for me was to see how a country that can go to sleep and then wake up in a completely different world have you heard of the story of this gentleman called rip van winkle i'd heard about it when i was a kid this man went to sleep and then he woke up after so many years when he woke up his world was different and a different world awaited him think of it Isn't it intriguing? Imagine you just go to sleep and then you wake up after many years. It's a different world. Say you had gone to sleep 30 years back. It was a time when there were no mobile phones, when there were no uh, there was no internet. The world was far more peaceful. There hadn't been a covid at all and you didn't know what a covid-19 was. Think of it. You suddenly wake up and everything has changed. People have changed. Kids have changed. Education has changed. Communication has changed. Everything is different. That's what Rip Van Winkle would have seen, and that's what Laos was to me. It went to sleep and closed its borders, and then when it woke up and reopened the borders, the world was different. While they hadn't changed at all. Intriguing, isn't it? So with the little info that I had, lots of hope and quite a bit of trepidation frankly, I landed in Bien Chien which is the capital of Laos. Completely different from what I had imagined. It's a nice old town, very commercialized, lots of traffic, good number of eating joints, guest houses. Frankly, I didn't like it too much. But there's some great things here. The promenade for one, the sunset, the food joints, the crowd, the vibe, the Buddha park was also very good. though bit touristy and uh, conforming to a touristy stereotype if you know what i mean so all in all i wasn't very excited but by the ancient but that's me maybe you'd like it based on the description and uh, recommendation from some other travelers who i met in uh, one of the cdr pubs out there i decided to go to fonsawan it's or zinpa it's called the plain of jars This was outstanding. Acres upon acres of stone jars and urns, all kinds of them, massive, small, broken capturns, all overrun with graffiti, the jungle, the cows. It definitely man-made. Many centuries ago, but the reason is not known. Some say they are burial urns. Some say it was some kind of storage for salt, uh, you know, since this was the center of the booming salt trade. Others believe it was a storage for their rice wine. That's what I like best. You know, I just sat there all by myself, acres upon acres of massive stone urns running to dilapidation, etc. And I was imagining a large army, their chief, victory. They're celebrating the victory and they're enjoying a drunken debauch out there. <laughs> Quite an imagination that was. But seriously, apparently they stretch in a line up until Assam in India. Makes sense if it was the salt route and uh, uh, it had to go all the way to uh, Tibet. It's a straight line. 
There are three such planes of charts. All accessible by car. But I recommend the trek. It's a very scenic, intriguing route. Get off at one of the plane of jars sites and just walk through. Between the planes of jars, the walk is a short trek. Very simple, very easy trek through jungles, through villages. Fantastic experience. Don't miss it. Don't take the car and miss out on that. So there was a secret war that happened here. Have you heard of it? I can already see a few of you smirking saying that. It was a secret war, right? How do you expect me to know it? It's a goddamn secret. <laughs> yes, that may be so. It's called a secret war, which uh, happened on the sidelines of the Vietnam War. And they say a huge number of bombs were dropped here. Some say 26 million of them in the small country. Being a war zone, this whole area was mined. And the demining is now a project by the UN. It's still going on. They've kind of uh, cleared pathways for us and those are demarcated by painted stones. So you just walk in between those stones, you deviate from there, chances are you might step on a mine. There's a lot of history and legend here, but I'll not bore you with the details. Suffice to say that life continues here with ruins, coexisting with horrors of the past and wars of the past and tragedies of the past. And everyday life goes on with these stark reminders of times that were far worse. And that's probably why the villagers here are all very cheerful, despite the poverty, despite the other issues that they face, despite life being a struggle, all of them are supremely cheerful. In fact, there's a temple, an erstwhile temple, I would say, where there's a huge Buddha statue over there. And that's the uh, image that stays with me of this place. The entire temple has been destroyed by bombs. It's just the pillars that exist. And in the center of it, there's this giant Buddha statue that's sitting open to the elements. Even the gods were not spared in this war, this secret war. One high point from this place uh, is the village of Bannapya. This is a village where the cottage industry and the way to survive in this land where everyone does subsistence farming is to pick up remnants of the bombs. That's all that is there. The land is infertile, much of it is mined. Where do, we, where do they grow stuff? How do they survive? They go around and pick up these remnants, bring them home. There's a smelter in each home, a makeshift one. They melt the aluminium and pour it into molds to make spoons, which they sell to tourists and send off to the cities like Vienchen and Log Prabang, etc. and make money. A great lesson in survival and entrepreneurship, isn't it? Back in business school, when they used to talk to us about taking your challenges and constraints and turning it into a business model, it sounded like it was for the fairies. But here, I saw it actually happen. The village is called the Village of Spoons because of this. A must visit, if only to get inspiration from people who have turned their adversity into a source of livelihood. After this, next stop for me was Wang Vieng. Wang Vieng is a bit of a backpacker uh, paradise. Lots of food of all kinds. Lots of booze of all kinds and tubing. Now this is an intriguing one. Basically you have inflated tire tubes on the banks of the river. Grab one from the river bank, grab a beer, jump into the meandering river and lazily float around. Maybe dangerous, but very peaceful and quite a trip. The place has a typical backpacker vibe. 
friendly chatter, lots of people willing to chat around. I just lay around here, never lack for company to get info on what to do next. And lovely food and great beer. Beer Lao is a fantastic beer in Laos, by the way. And all kinds of options for accommodation: luxury accommodation, backpacker accommodation, guest houses, dormitories. You name it, you have. I went for a lovely trek here called the Secret Eden Trek. Very tiring jungle walk with some uphill sections, etc. But beautiful. Turned back in the evening, deliciously tired. Next stop, Luang Prabang. Much recommended, a UNESCO heritage uh, city in Laos, and it was exactly what I expected from it. Lovely old temples, fabulous architecture, and a culture that's been protected from the vagaries of modern life. Early in the morning, they ring the bell. I think four o'clock or four thirty, and then half an hour later, they just come by in a single line in complete silence and follow a preset route, which takes a circle and goes back to the monastery. On the way, people just sit that early in the morning, sitting without demur. They just sit there and wait to give food to the monks. All of this in complete silence. Apparently, during the war, sometimes no one would be waiting to give alms. They would all run away to the bomb shelters. The monks would still walk the same circuit, walk back empty-handed, and starve for the day. They don't store food for the next day. If they have something left over, they give it away for charity. So, they don't accept anything other than sticky rice and noodles. People were giving chocolates; they just won't accept it, and they just walk. It's a living tradition, apparently, from the time of the Buddha. Fascinating. Of course, Luang Prabang has a great, great nightlife also. What to tell you? The Kuangsi waterfall is another short trek very nearby. That's also beautiful through the forest, and and the waterfall is majestic. Falls down in three or four layers. Beautiful it was. Oh, and the rice wine is a must-have in this place. Most houses prepare it in their backyard or whatever. Bit of a cottage industry. It is cheap, a dollar for a liter of it. I had quite a bit of it, frankly. <laughs> Very nice it was. Fairly potent stuff. In one place, in one small village, I had a drink from the oldest bootlegger I've ever met. She was definitely eighty plus, and she gave me a lesson on how to make rice wine. Next stop, Nongkhao. A lovely romantic town. Up in the north of Laos, came after a rickety, stuffy ride in an open vehicle with uh, assorted livestock and people and luggage and so on. There are better ways to get there, I'm sure. But I was on a budget and travelled there on a whim without preparation. Someone mentioned that it was a great place, and off I went. Nongkhao is lazy. Even time seems to go slow here. Massive limestone cars. Uh, River cutting through cottages, hugging the steep sides of the mountains. Hammocks are on the balconies of the cottages. Boat rides on the river, hikes, caves, cycling around the place. Great place to just chill and soak in nature. And some lovely food joints. Nothing fancy, but very tasty. Super cheap. Let me just quickly go through a few FAQs. Really, in case you want to visit Laos, it might be difficult to get information on it. This is a very large country. If you want to get an immersive experience of this country, I would suggest two and a half to three weeks to cover both the northern part of Laos and the south. 
However, if you don't have the uh, luxury of such a long vacation, better restrict oneself to the towns basis uh, your interest. Your interest in history, nature, adventure, culture. If you have 10 to 12 days, I think you should just restrict yourself to North Laos. It's a great option. Trekking in Luang Nam Tha, living in Wang Bien, the Watson Museums of Luang Prabang, pristine Nong Khiao, mysterious uh, jars of Phuong Sawan. And uh, since the intercity town travel uh, time taken is a bit high, 12 days is a good duration to cover North Laos. If you're planning a week, then stick to Luang Prabang, Nong Khiao, and Wang Bien in the north. If you have only four to five days, please wait till you get at least seven to ten days. I think it, five days, four days, etc., would not do justice. It's a lovely country. Save it up for a longer trip. It's worth it. First, between October and April is the best time. The weather is warm and dry. The Mekong is in full. March, April temperature, uh, you know, it does tend to get warm, but it's bearable. July is the monsoon month, the wettest month. Lots of rainfall, avoidable in terms of traveling during July. Sports, yeah, Laos is a delight for adventure seekers. Caving, spelunking, potholing, definite must-do, especially in Bangladesh. There are caves, great stalactite and stalagmite formations, or water streams flowing inside, dark caves. People kayaking in Laos is a great option, whether it's Nong Khiao, Wang Bieng in the north, or Konglor Cave in the south of Laos. It's almost like a dream sequence, mountains by the side. My pick would be Konglor Caves in South Laos if you love the water and love kayaking. If you love trekking, there's opportunity everywhere. The ones which can test your endurance are the Secret Eden Trek, Wangzi Trek to a certain extent, and definitely the Bolawen Plateau Trek. The general perception about Laos is that it's a country for adventure seekers, but Luang Prabang and Nong Khia eight options for a romantic rendezvous. Long walks, boat rides, these places are less touristy and extremely picturesque. And it's a lazy pace of life. As I told you, time seems to go grow lazy itself and stop for a while. And the food, outstanding food. To write home about, if I may say so. Seafood is not native to Lao cooking, but the freshwater fish there is a must-have. Spicy papaya salads, great fish options, lovely street food, fabulous fruits, sticky rice, bamboo soup, jiao, barbecued freshwater fish, and beer lao, outstanding. Even if you are a vegetarian, there are options available. And hey, if you love Indian food, then there are a few good options there, as I told you. All in the wall options, but good food. In a nutshell, Laos is a great place, absolutely no hassles, great experiences, resilient people, a charming country. And this is your chance to play Ripper and Winkle while going in and while coming out. That's it for now. I'll uh, do another podcast focusing on the southern part of Laos later. Thanks for tuning in to the Don't Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Experiences. Till the next time, take care, stay safe, whatever else that you do, don't trip on the usual.